Hi, friends. I'm Rob Tigan. And I'm Joanna. And this is the Growing Home Together podcast. We're caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God and each other. Thank you for joining us today on the Growing Home Together podcast. My oldest son, Josh, is stepping into Joanna's seat on the podcast today so we can share a conversation about what it means to be a good man. Josh is the husband of four years to his wife, Cassie, and founded a ministry called Banner Media to share faith stories through film. To help us unpack the topic of biblical manhood, I'm also really excited to welcome writer, actor, and filmmaker Nathan Clarkson. He's a best-selling author who has a powerful new book called Good Man, An Honest Journey into Discovering Who Men Were Actually Created to Be. Thank you, Nathan, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, uh, I think uh, this topic is a needed topic today for sure, um, and I would imagine kind of a, a daunting task, but what inspired you to write this book? You know, that's a, that's an interesting question. I never originally thought, you know, when I started out my um, this process of wanting to become a writer and an actor and an artist and all these different directions, I never thought I'd end up talking about men's issues. Um, it wasn't something that was ever in the forefront of my mind. It wasn't something that I even felt particularly um, like I was an expert in. In fact, um, for many years, I always felt that I, I was striving after this idea of wanting to become a good man, but it was something I wasn't particularly good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that I have have always wanted, but I never saw myself writing a book about the subject. And I think it was a couple years ago that as I I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I had come in contact um, with some, um, how do I say this kindly, some really poor examples of Mm -hmm. men and behavior from men. And I I looked at their behavior, who they were, the things they said and the things they did and the destruction they caused around them. And, you know, it it happens in Los Angeles every day, but it happens around the world every day. We, I think we all have um, stories and, anecdotes about um, men living wrongly and how that affects the world around them. Um, but for me, when I saw this happen in really visceral ways um, that really affected uh, personally the people around me, I started examining my own life, my own decisions, and my own choices much more closely. And I started asking myself the question, well, you know, I can condemn these guys. These guys are bad, but in, am I a good man? What makes me better than them? What in my life um, makes my choices, my decisions any better than them. And ultimately that led me to the question of who are men even made to be? Cause I, I look in culture every day and I see, um, that I, I think men are having an identity crisis. Um, I think we get so many mixed messages, both from culture and even the church that I think very often men have no idea who they were made to be. And so I started asking myself this question, who were men made to be? And obviously this question is going to lead me back to the creator of men. Cause I think if you want to find out what something is made for, you have to go to the creator. And so it was this journey of looking back over all these stories in my life and seeing um, God present in them and trying to discover who I as a man was made to be. So that's kind of where the book came out of. Well, that's, that's great. I, um, I love what you said. I, um, if we desire to live as we were created to live, we must be in connection with our creator and that kind of uh, is to what you were saying, that, that on your journey, uh, that's where you kind of had to, to look and start. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that was definitely a beginning point for me. I think I think everyone has a desire in their heart to to figure out why they are here, what they're for. I think, you know, um, both believer and non-believer alike, we have this intrinsic desire to want to know who we are and who we're meant to live for. But I think the way we go wrong is that we ignore the one place, the one source of truth and definition that we'll find is in our creator. And I think so often, even I can forget, I can't define myself. I can't look for my purpose in these exterior things, either in the world or in culture and politics, whatever it is, I have to go back to the root. I have to find what my creator said about me, who my creator designed me to be. And that's something I just don't see happening um, often um, in the world today. And I think it's so important that men start doing that so we can become who we were made to be. Yeah, that's um, an awesome thought. I feel like even just in my life that keeps coming up a lot lately as I'm growing up and getting to know more men Mm -hmm. and we're all, I think, I just agree there's that need for that with a lot of men I'm around that they want to figure out who God made them to be and how can they better live into that. And if we can kind of segue off of that, um, as I was reading through your book, I, you had one chapter specifically on community, but I also felt like it was actually a common thread kind of throughout the whole book where even if you're talking about a different character trait or topic, uh, stories that you shared seem to revolve around a lot of community that you had with different guys around you. And um, as I think about this topic and what it means to be a good man, I've realized more and more how important it is that I have a community of guys um, around me to help me do that. And so I don't know if you mm-hmm. just want to speak to that a little bit of what role community uh, plays in us now trying to become who God made us to be. And is there any I guess, defining characteristics of that community that we should look for? Because obviously we can have great communities that support us, but also we can have a community that actually um, maybe inhibits us from getting there. Absolutely. Yeah. No, this is this is something, it's an interesting subject for me, community, especially in talking about becoming a good man, because community honestly is really hard for me. And I think I've heard this reflected from a lot of men. It kind of has, you know, men kind of have this um, stereotype about them that we want to do things on our own and figure it out on our own. You know, it, it, you see it in um, the smallest tropes, like men don't want to ask for directions. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's something in me, and I'm willing to say this, that it's really hard for me to, to ask for help, to be a part of a community, to be reliant or dependent on someone, to be open and honest and vulnerable um, with people, I, I have this desire to kind of be an island, to want to figure it out on my uh, by myself and do it on my own. And so, the whole idea of community is one that I have come to realize is so very necessary and important on my journey. But it's one I've actually had to struggle um, in not just finding, because because that we I think many of us can understand how hard it is, especially in a day in today's world, how hard it is to find a community, but even wanting to find a community. And even when you find one being authentic and open inside that community. So it has been a journey for me, not only to realize how important community is, but to actually engage with community in a healthy way. But I can say um, that every time I have found a healthy community, every time I have found a group of men who um, are, are on the same journey, have the same desire to to live who into the life they were created to live, to know their creator, to follow the dreams that God put on their heart in the way that he has asked them to I have found myself becoming more healthy, becoming more whole. I found the weak places in my life becoming, um, having less strength over me. And it's a humbling experience. It's a hard one. 
uh, on so many levels, but it's one that I found really, really worthwhile and not even just worthwhile, but necessary along my path. And, you know, a little bit off of what you said, you are absolutely right. You know, the, uh, I think is in Proverbs where it says a companion of fools suffers harm. Um, but those who walk with the wise will be wise. And so for me, there are no truer words spoken than who you are spending your time with. The community that you find, when you find one, will affect you. I have multiple times in my life um, have been desperate for friends and community and have found myself in communities of guys who are not healthy, who, who don't have the desire to be good men. And even if they do, they're not living it out. And that has ultimately had a detrimental effect on my walk and on my, on my path towards who I was made to be. And so... I think there's so many levels here. One, it's hard to find community. Two, it's hard to want community sometimes. And three, sometimes the communities we find, we really have to be careful which ones those are. Because like you said, whoever we spend time with will have a large effect on our walk. But it is a worthy goal. It's, it's a worthy pursuit to find a community that you can rely upon, that will call you out, they'll give you um, wisdom and uh, and, and focus. I mean, there, there's so many aspects to how important community is. And I think that men today, especially in an isolated world, are having a really hard time finding it and even wanting it. But I would encourage you to really pursue that because it is, and by you, I mean anyone listening, it is so important for all of us men to have that community in our lives. I think that even uh, adds a little more weight to why it's important to be thinking about what you talk about in the book too, because, um, you want to, it kind of helps give you parameters, I guess, for the type of community that you're looking for. Like if this is something mm -hmm. that we want to grow in and becoming a better man, as you're out looking for that community, you know, the goal is to find like-minded men who is like, hey, now you have a place to come from. Like, this is what I'm striving for. Are you someone that can be striving for that with me? And we can mutually help each other along and just having that, uh, being on that same page from the get-go, yeah. I think would help a lot. So. Yeah, I think C.S. Lewis said, said something about um, friendship consists of of going towards a goal, running towards something and looking over to your side and seeing someone else running towards the same goal and, and saying, do you want to run with me? And I'm totally paraphrasing here, obviously. Um, but I think that's such a strong image that we ought to look for is that we ought to look for other people who in their life are running after their creator and we can do that together. So it's an individual and a communal thing that happens all at once. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, to, to Josh's point too, a lot of the, you bring out some really great points um, in your book and some different topics, but, but some of those are our wisdom and on authenticity and things like that. And, and those aren't things we, we, you know, it's pretty hard to be super authentic if we're just by ourselves mm. or uh, find yeah. wisdom just in ourselves. So, so that's why we have to kind of branch out of ourselves, I guess. But as I think through, um, you know, being a good man, it is kind of a journey of discovery in some respects. And we've, stumbled and, and fallen in, in the process. So I'm just wondering, what are some of the roadblocks that you've run into um, as you've kind of walked on your road uh, to discovering what a good man is? Yeah, that's a good question. And it, it's, it's interesting, you know, for a long time, I had this idea in my head that to be a good man was to be a perfect man. And then I read scripture. And then I read about every single man that God used. And, and, and I actually had this kind of, um, I, I wouldn't say crisis of faith, but it, it was something I struggled with for a while. And it was me trying to figure out why do some men go down in scripture history as being men after God's own heart 
and and people who um, we we revere, uh, even though they had enormous physical uh, uh, moral failings, physical failings, even though they were imperfect men in so many ways. Look at David and and his committing adultery and his violence. Look at um, uh, Saul and his, and his violence and murders. Look at Peter who who doubted and uh, and uh, denied God. So it's interesting to me, why do these men go down as heroes? And then you have men like Saul of the Old Testament and you have Judas. What, what is the difference? Because we all make mistakes. What is the difference in the men who are ultimately um, conquer and seen as conquerors and the ones who uh, we see as bad examples of men? And to me, it comes down to willing heart. And so through all of my life, I look back and I was going, I don't know if I can be considered a good man because I've made so many mistakes. I've had so many roadblocks. And for me, it was really liberating to realize it wasn't about the things I had done. It was about my heart position towards God. It was about, will I continue getting up? Will I continue humbling myself? Will I continue confessing and saying, I have messed up? And so I've had I've had a million different um uh, roadblocks. I wish I could say as, you know, a pastor's kid and, and the and the son of um, people who write books on family and Christianity that I just had a perfect path. And I wish I did. But there were many years in my life where I have been a prodigal. There are many years when I have struggled um, with uh, unhealthy uh, aspects of sexuality. I have struggled with mental illness. I have struggled with anger. I have struggled uh, with deep doubt. I have struggled with um, so many different things in my life. Um, but ultimately when I look and say, I don't know if I can be a good man because I've struggled with these things, my hope lies in as long as I humble myself and ultimately commit myself to God and keep, continue going back to him, continue letting my heart be turned towards him like David, like Peter, like Paul. Um, that is my hope that even through my mistakes, if I continue getting up and following my creator, that will be the hope that I can become the man God created me to be. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I think that's what I, I really appreciate uh, so much about you and about your book is um, sometimes it takes somebody in the room willing to step out and say, um, you know, I don't have it all together. Um, I, you know, I've been pursuing God, but not perfectly. And you really lay, uh, lay yourself out in the book um, and are honest about um, your struggles in that, in that discovery. Um, as you, as you learn to kind of walk more closely with God. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm so glad it, it is. It's always scary being the person or any, you know, being someone who, who speaks up and says, yeah, I don't have it all together. Cause you know, I have this desire to look like I do. I think a lot of guys do it. Maybe it's yeah. pride, maybe it's ego, but I, I want to look like, Oh, I'm the good Christian guy. I've never struggled. I've never uh, fallen. I've never been tempted. And if I have, I've, I've met it with perfect resolve but the reality is I'm a man, I'm a human and I have fallen and messed up, but thank goodness my hope is not in me. Yeah. And that's where, thanks again for sharing how much you do. Cause it's a little refreshing. I think, um, a lot of the guys I'm around, like I help lead a small group of high school guys and talking to them, mm -hmm. it's really easy to, like you said, want to put off this presentation of having it all together and being the Christian guy, especially if you're in any yeah. sort of a leadership setting. Um, but at the same time it can living in that can be really hard too, because you yourself know there's a disconnect there that even though I might be presenting myself in this way, you know yourself that I'm actually like a sinner and I'm maybe struggling. And so it's uh, hopefully freeing to the people that are listening to this a little bit that it is okay to not have it all figured out. And that's just part of that journey and being a good man. And we're all going to stumble, but 
that doesn't inhibit God's ability to work through us. I'm heartily agreeing with what you said. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I did want to take a minute too to just, uh, I guess, talk about a point that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, In your book, you talk about how powerful stories are and how they have this unique ability to change, teach, and inspire us. And um, that's part of, like my dad mentioned at the beginning, how I'm working on this nonprofit that's very centered around, I guess, storytelling. As I've spent time in the Word, the Lord really showed me that um, we're supposed to be sharing our testimonies or stories of what He did. And God Mm -hmm. usually uses those acts of kindness or what He does in our lives as a... um, so like my nonprofits, Banner Media, it's this idea of raising a banner of God did this act for me or whoever's story we're telling, but it's also supposed to be a banner to you to see that God loves you or wants to do something similar in your life. And so I love that. just that whole storytelling piece, I thought was really cool that you included that. And um, I don't know if you just want to take a minute to kind of unpack what, um, how does story, I guess, impact us in our pursuit of being a good man or like what role does it play? Yeah, that's it's stories are are very near and dear to my heart, and but I kind of believe that they're near and dear to everyone's heart. I, I think there's something that God um, designed humanity with to respond to stories. And as I look at uh, Scripture, as I look at Jesus's ministry, what I see is um, constantly this concept of story. God shared His entire truth through this story of this small nation. Um, and then Jesus comes and he shares all most of his wisdom uh, very often and his, his theology through parables, through story. And so I think that God knows as our creator that he intentionally designed us to respond to stories. So I think grabbing hold of this perspective that we are a story and that our choices in our lives are telling a story is so, so important. You know, as a kid, I grew up in the in the things that were the most meaningful to me and most effective uh, to me as a kid who wanted to grow up were stories. You know, I can remember the first time I talked about this in the book that I saw Lord of the Rings. And after I, I finished watching for months and years after that, I had this image of Aragorn in my head and wanting to be the hero of a story. And I would, you know, build forts and fight imaginary enemies. And and recently I just got my uh, my best friend a, uh, a life-size um, version of one of the swords from one of the main characters that he'd always wanted um, as a birthday gift. But, and, you know, and, and we're, we're men, but these stories still have this place in our heart because they give us this perspective for how life ought to be lived for the kind of people we can be. And so when I have these, I have a mindset of my life as a story, I start seeing myself as a character in that story and suddenly my choices matter and suddenly my decisions actually have weight um, and suddenly I have hope because I have hope to tell a great story, especially, um, when I do that in conjunction with the storyteller, the creator himself, God. And so that, and so I, I don't know, it's sometimes it's ineffable. It's hard to, it's hard to describe, but I, I just think stories are so, um, utterly important to, um, humans and, and men in, grabbing all this perspective that we are in a story. And when we realize that it'll give us hope and direction um, and start bringing weight to our lives. You know, I, I, as a young kid, as I said, I love stories so much. I always wanted to be a part of them, which ultimately made me grow up to be a, a writer, a filmmaker and an actor because I saw the power of stories. And so I, I want to, through this book, encourage men to start seeing their lives as stories because I think that'll ultimately have such a huge effect on the lives we live. 
Yeah. Do you think that's a, a good place to start? I mean, it, it you unpack in the book too, just kind of in some respects how our, um, you know, our men are in a crisis with our culture. It's sending so many different messages and mixed messages of what it means to be a good man. Um, do you think asking that question of, you know, what kind of story do I want my life to tell or want to be about and going back to kind of that idea that we were lived to connect with our creator. Um, do you think that's a good place to start with those two pieces when you're asking that question? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think that, I think that's, as you look at Jesus, when he would interact with people the first time, it would often be in the context in a way, even metaphorically speaking of showing them that they had a story to tell and they had a choice to make and the choice suddenly mattered. I think men today are very lost because we live in a kind of a post-God era, I think, um, where, and when you take God out of it, you take purpose and you take meaning out of life and ultimately you take story out of life. And so men are living life now, believing that their lives don't matter, that they aren't a story, that nothing they do ultimately will make a difference. And I think a lot of uh, men today are living in a culture that just wants to distract them uh, and wants to kind of sedate them in these meaningless pursuits and addiction, whatever it might be. But I think when God enters, he says, you have a story. And that's one of the, like you said, one of the first things and the entry points to becoming a good man is learning to hold this perspective, to grasp this perspective of, oh, I'm a character and my choices matter. And the things I do will affect the story I'm telling. I am in a story and it can be a great one. Should I let my creator lead me through it. And so I definitely think it's a wonderful place to start. I think it's probably the place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, you, you, um, our culture defines manhood uh, by so many different things. Um, but character doesn't always seem to kind of rise to the top of that list. Um, Mm. you know, why don't you think we value character more? Because as you unpack what being a good man is, a lot of them have to do with characteristics that have to do with, with character. Um, so, so why do you think uh, we don't value character more? I think it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about that. If you look at, at all of, all of modern culture and you take out any, um, eternal consequences, any eternal, um, echoings of our choices that make an eternal difference, then ultimately nothing means anything. Nothing matters. And I think that's a really heavy thing to have to live with. I don't know how I would if I didn't have this belief in God and belief in the creator. Mm-hmm. And But I think if I had to hazard a guess what it would look like if I suddenly didn't believe in God, I think it would be, well, my choices don't really matter, so I might as well do whatever can make me feel the best before it all ends. And I think that character goes out the window in this scenario. I think there's no use for it ultimately if we're all going to die and nothing really means anything. But as soon as God enters the picture, everything means something. Everything means everything. And suddenly um, how we live matters and how we get from um, from believing that nothing really matters to actually living a life uh, that is after God is through the practices of character. 
it's you're not going to be good in one day. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. That's so natural. But the more we practice work at that muscle of character, the more we're going to see in our lives the benefits of it and ultimately a better story because of it. So I think the more we practice, you know, the, the fruits of the spirit, if you just want to boil it down to what they are, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and on and on, those things as we practice those will shape not only us, but the stories we're telling and the worlds around us. And, and that's one thing I have noticed in um, in looking around and studying uh, culture of men and, and how we affect the world today. I studied all these subcultures and and kind of the behavior of men, um, what they look like today. And so often the decisions that men are making are selfish um, and self-centered and ultimately really ha- leave a destructive mark on the world. Um, and you see this in every area of society. You even see it in church, uh, whether it's greed, whether it's um, selfishness, whether it's pride, whether it's ego, you see that these things come as a lack of character. Um, and so I think the only way to combat this destructive um, reality in our culture, the things that men have created, uh, is through the practice of character, these, these attributes that we must take on if we want to live a great story um, after we've already accepted that we, once we have accepted that we are in a story, we have to take on the practicing, the working out of character because that will shape who we are in the stories we tell. That's good. I like how you related a uh, character to being necessary to have that great story too. Cause I, I've wondered if part of why uh, character seems to be slipping, if you want to say that in society today is just in part because it's so much harder. And so mm. like you said, like if it doesn't matter, why would you choose the harder path? If the easier one where you aren't trying to grow in character is not any worse or better technically and I've been having that conversation with, like I said, these high schoolers that I lead a small group uh, for of our goal is um, one month of the year or throughout the year. So we have these 12 different character traits of Jesus that we're kind of focusing on one per month, trying to grow in. And we've been having this conversation of like, look, I get it can be so much harder to be humble or giving or uh, like right now we're in peace, uh, which is. Like Jesus was so peaceful and how hard is that with all the crazy going on in our world today? And so it's this conversation of like, it is hard, but I've also noticed through these conversations we've had that if you press into the difficulty of it, you also actually usually get what you really want. And that's what I've found so interesting is that so many men, they might take this easier path, but at the same time, I feel like they realize something is lacking and there seems to just be a disconnect in there somewhere that yeah. Character might really be the solution. And so I like how you, I guess, put those together. It's a good way of thinking about it. It's interesting. I've been talking with a friend lately. There, There is this passage, um, again, C.S. Lewis, as you can tell, I'm a fan, but <laughs> he talks about how it's not that we desire too much, it's that we don't desire enough. Mm-hmm. And what I see in a lot of men today, both believer, non-believer, secular, whatever it might be, they, we have these intrinsic desires that God has given us, desire to be who we created to be, desire to to um, be a hero, to be good, to bring health and goodness, to bring strength to our world, to have value, to bring others value. But I think that um, we haven't learned to desire enough. And so we allow our desires to be satisfied in ways so far below what they could be. Because I think a lot of times the church expected kids to be moral out of a vac- in a vacuum. But really, if you want kids and anyone to act in a way that's good and moral and upright 
that's not just in a moralistic way, that's a list of rules. You have to give them a vision for why their decisions matter. You have to give them an ultimate um, picture for why being being a man of character, making hard choices ultimately matters. And for us, we know that the deepest desires of our heart are to be in connection with God. And that will that's where real fulfillment is. And so we don't have to fill those desires with cheap ego or, or pride or conquest. So ultimately, I think if you want to convey to men why their decisions matter, if you want them to know why character making those hard decisions um, actually matters, if you if you want to see men make the hard decision, like you said, you have to give them a vision for why they're making these choices in the first place. Because ultimately, if nothing matters, they're not going to make these choices and it won't matter. But we have to teach ourselves and the people around us to desire so much more so that they see why being a man of character, making those hard choices actually matters. And you have to give them that vision for why it does. So speaking of, I guess, character, another point I wanted to bring up was uh, you talked a bit about God's design for relationships. And I do think that um, as we're talking about being a good man, one of the people that that actually impacts most is typically, um, or at least first maybe, is our wife, um, our spouse. And so I guess just to start... um, you say how society has moved away from God's design for relationships. So if you just want to unpack that a little bit, and then um, what does it look like to get back to God's design? We can maybe start there. Yeah, it, this is a really interesting one to me. And you're right. I really think that as we become good men, or if we are becoming worse men, some of the people who are first affected are going to be women in our lives, especially the ones we're in relation with in one way or another. And it was a really interesting experience to live in LA during the Me Too movement, mm. and you know, which was obviously um, this movement that had all these stories uh, coming out of Hollywood and other industries where men had been um, uh, abusive or um, predatory on women in sexual ways, and it's in ultimately, as we would say, it really misusing how sexuality and connection and romance ought to be used. But it also wasn't surprising to me. I was actually surprised at how surprised everybody was sure. because we have this culture that moved totally, is moving totally away from God, kicking him out of everything. A culture that says, it doesn't matter, do what you want, do it if it feels good. And then all of a sudden we're surprised that this thing that we've cheapened and this thing that we've had a low view on for years is being used in a cheap and abusive manner. Like, I, I don't understand why people are so surprised. And of course it makes me sad and this is terrible. And I, and I want um, this kind of behavior to stop in any industry towards anyone. And I, my heart goes out to anyone who has ever experienced this. I, I knew people who experienced this and I saw it firsthand. Um, but I think ultimately if we want to see those kind of things um, decrease in the world, we do have to come back to a view of sexuality, romance, relationship in God. Again, God designed, he's a designer, he's a creator, and everything he designed has purpose, both men and everything else. That means he designed sexuality, relationship, and romance with purpose. And until we uh, assent to that design, we're only going to find it being misused and ultimately destructive. And I think that's what we see over and over again in our world, that the culture can't make up it make up its mind if it's this really important thing that can be wielded in really hurtful ways or if it doesn't mean anything and, and we should just do whatever we want with it. But it, I think really until we come back to this high view 
of sexuality relationships and romance that we're going to continue seeing it wield it's a uh, uh, wield an ugly an ugly head that's ultimately very destructive towards both us and the people and the women and the people in this world and so it's a hard path and it's one that um it's really difficult to find the nuances of, because I think, you know, one of the church's initial responses was shame. It was, well, if you've done anything bad or if you've messed up any way, you're permanently scarred and you, you know, you're no good, but that's not the message of Christ. The message of Christ is redemption and goodness and new life. Um, but also the message of Christ isn't just permissiveness and cheap sex. It's uh, the message of Christ is, uh, I think to have a high view of sex that comes from God, that comes from our creator is one where it sees these things as good and beautiful, but also holy, things to be respected, things to be within the confines of commitment, the way he designed it. So I think ultimately, if you want to see the destruction that we've seen through relationships and sexuality and romance um, in the past few years and ultimately the past few decades, we have to return to this high view um, of relationships uh, that only uh, can be found out through connection to a creator who show us and who has showed us and, and um, tells us how to live this out in the design he created it in. Yeah. God definitely uh, puts a weight on marriage that we don't today. I mean, you look in the Bible and where God uh, describes marriage, he talks about how husbands are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the church. And that's kind of his mm. thing for us. And like Christ died for his church. Like there's some weight to that, you know, and yeah. that's been challenging for me, even as I think about my marriage, like, do I hold it to that level where I would like my life, whatever it costs, you know, I put myself down, I lay myself down for my marriage, for my wife and having that mentality and everything I do, it totally flips uh, your decision-making on its head. Um, but then it's kind of cool too, because I think in that um, it humbles you to a point where as I've pursued becoming a good man or a better man, now my wife is on my side and she's, uh, I'm humbled to the point of letting her give me some input in that and help me along. Absolutely. And so I've kind of noticed that she's uh, probably one of the biggest reasons that I've grown is just I've seen her pray for me, support me, help me grow. And so I don't know if you've experienced that too, but um have women in your life, I guess, helped you in your pursuit of being a good man as well as you've uh, stepped into that? Yeah, absolutely. And man, this, this is, there's so many rabbit trails to go down because it's such a big and important question, but I got married, um, last year, almost a year, uh, November 11th and almost a year, um, anniversary coming up right now. And I had written the book, good man before I got married and, you know, I, of course, know I have mistakes, but I was like, I, I think I got this down. I think I'm, you know, getting this down. I think I'm becoming a real good guy. And then I get married and all of a sudden, I don't know if it's like this for you or for anyone else listening, but all of a sudden you start realizing how many weaknesses you have mm -hmm. and how many, and how you struggle. And, and when you bring this other, uh, this person into your life and you have a whole nother responsibility, I realized how selfish I was and still am. And I think it's this really interesting thing that um, that marriage humbled me and is humbling me. And it, it forces me to realize um, that I need God and that to love someone else, it's, easy to, it's easier to love yourself, I think. Uh, but when you have someone else you are interacting with, um, 
it brings a whole new aspect of having to rely on God and realize and come face to face with your own shortcomings and proclivities and selfishness and mistakes and ego and pride. Um, so God has in enormous ways used my wife um, to pull me closer to him in that way. And also, I would like to encourage any men out there who, who are not married I can't tell you how important it is to look for someone. We, we talked about this with community earlier, but to look for someone who is they who are they themselves chasing God. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you are with a partner, with a wife who is, who is every morning, they are communicating with the creator. They are becoming the woman they're meant to be. Then all of a sudden you will find yourself um, encouraged, supported in this walk that you're both taking together. And, you know, I have been in relationships where that wasn't the reality and, you know, because of emotion or just attraction or ultimately leads to destruction if you both don't have your eyes on God. But being with a woman now who is looking at God, who can encourage me, who is learning herself, who can, like you said, speak into my life and give me wisdom, I can't tell you how valuable that has been into me growing. Last year, I had written a book. And then I got married and realized there was a lot more to becoming a good man. I couldn't even imagine. And God used my wife as a way to really begin um, that process again of I have a lot of work to do. And it's a loving, gentle, graceful, forgiving process. But in the right relationship, God can use a partner to bring you so much closer to him than you could than you could have on your own. Well, that's good. I know I, working in publishing, we'll have to come up with a good man, you know, marriage edition or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good <laughs> I, woman. <laughs> I can tell you, almost 29 years of marriage here, and, and it's still, you still find those, those parts of you that, that need to be uh, shaped off. But, but like we were saying earlier, um, it, it's humbling, and it's maybe the harder road in some respects. I mean, marriage is um, staying committed to each other and staying married 25 or 29 years in Um, it's, you know, you've, you've got, uh, seasons of, of hard, but it is beautiful at the same time. Yeah. I think this culture doesn't have an appreciation for commitment anymore. And I think you talk to anyone who works out, um, regularly who has ever gone on a, um, health journey or whatever it is, commitment and everyday commitment is ultimately brings, um, about the best things in life. And I think it's so sad to me, the relationships that I watch today and how, how common divorce and abandonment and, and infidelity is, um, and really just a lack of commitment and how, how much is lost because we haven't learned the art of committing to something that's hard. Because ultimately when we do, when we commit to something that's good, even though it's hard, we see the beauty at the end of it. And even after just of a year, I'm already seeing um, the goodness and beauty um, come as a result of committing my life to this woman. That's awesome. Yeah. And so speaking of, I, I mentioned I'm, I'm coming up here on, on 29 years. I've, I'm a dad of five wow. kids. Um, and my youngest wow. is right on the edge of adolescence. So, um, you know, he's at this point where he's going to start trying to figure out his identity, um, as a man more and more. Um, and so for parents listening today, uh, Nathan, I'm wondering if you can give us some suggestions on how we can instill some of these good man qualities into our boys. Yeah, I think as I look back, I was really, really lucky um, to to have the family I did. And I'm sure that a lot of listeners know my family and know my mom and my dad. And I was really in no kind of their philosophy and, and, and their hearts. But I was lucky to experience that firsthand. And I think what I saw is 
um, an experience with my own life is I wasn't given just a list of rules. I wasn't given just a moral to-do list um, that you just should do these things and that's it. Instead, I was given a few things. I was given one, a vision for my life as a story. And we talked about that earlier and a vision that my life mattered and the choices that I had actually had an ultimate effect and mattered um, really, that really affected me as a young, as a young kid. And when I would be um, exposed to these great stories, Lord of the Rings or Narnia, whatever it is, I started because I had these voices in my head because I'm a parent saying, you can live a great story that helped me envision myself as someone who wanted to do good, who wanted to have character, who wanted to practice the things so I could be the hero of my own story. So one is given a vision um, to your to your young kids, to your adolescents, that they they matter, that their choices matter, that they can be a hero in their story. And two, I would say I was given an introduction to God in a very personal and real way. Again, I think so many people think that an introduction to God is a list of morals or traditions or sometimes even just a political party, when in reality, a, an interaction and a connection to God and an introduction is an introduction with the living creator who you can communicate with and um, and know, and he, he, he knows you. And so ultimately, um, I think the thing that ultimately made the most difference in my life was having a connection, being introduced to a connection to a real and living God, who who I knew in and uh, in every a- asset of my life growing up, he was real, he was there, and so giving an introduction beyond just a moral list to a real, loving, laughing, giving, graceful God affected me. And then I think, lastly, um, I think there's a lot of you know, in life, there's a lot of pressure to look like something or to be something. And something else I was given that came along with these things was grace and the understanding that I was made uniquely and that God's story is unique for me and that I didn't have to look like my brother. I didn't have to look like anybody else that um, God had made me uniquely and that I wasn't forced into a mold. I wasn't forced to look like something or pretend to be something that I was allowed to be human and that grace came along and filled in those cracks. But because of the relationship I was given, because of that vision I was given, it's not a moral list that we give our kids. It's a vision, it's a relationship, and it's grace. And I think that ultimately is what has led me through even the hardest parts of my life to continue fighting to become the man I was made to be. I really like that uh, vision piece, actually. I've been so getting to the point where more and more people are starting to ask uh, my wife Cassie and I if we're going to have kids soon, and I'm sure my parents would appreciate a grandchild <laughs> and all that. We're waiting. We're so, waiting. Uh, <laughs> it's been coming up, and I've been thinking about what it means to be a father and what that looks like. And looking at David, it's really interesting how much he prays for his son Solomon. And God told David, you know, you're not going to build the temple, but your son is. And so as Solomon was growing up, you see how David was... Uh, I guess speaking into his life and praying over him that he would live into that vision that the Lord had given him of uh, who mm-hmm. he wanted his son to be or who God wanted his son to be. And that's been something just, I think it fits with, like I said, what God's been showing me is um, already my wife and I were kind of praying for the kids that we will have whenever that is that Lord, you have who you've made our future kids to be. And we want to pray that they would grow into that. And I think that alone can just be a really, um, I don't know, just impactful thing to do over their lives. And so it's cool just to hear you uh, highlight that point. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, well, we appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, to be with us today, Nathan. And um, I know there are plenty of guys listening today who either are struggling with their own sense of manhood or feel a heavy burden to raise sons who are good men. Um, would you mind, um, as we kind of wrap things up, uh, just saying a prayer um, uh, that these men would take hold of God's design in their lives? Absolutely. God, thank you so much um, for every man listening and um, every man that's going to listen. Thank you that you have designed us with intention and purpose and just the idea of that we can know that we have um, value and that there's a reason that we are here and there's a, a person that we were, we were created to be. And thank you so much for giving us an example um, of who that is. Thank you for, for that we have Jesus to look to. Thank you that you have communicated with us, that you were a God of relation and that you um, that you interact with us on this journey. And thank you that you are a God of grace, that you know we are human and that we fail. And thank you for your forgiveness, that when we do, that you can lift us up again and, and we can get back on this path. God, I hope that, I wanna pray that every man listening will begin to see that his life is a story being authored by the creator. And if we let him write our story, it will be a good one. I pray that every man would see the importance of his choices that he's making. I pray that um, every man would would have the wherewithal to uh, lean into character and the practice and the working out of those muscles so that we can tell better stories with our lives, so that we can bring life and love to the worlds and people around us. And I pray that every man would, again, catch this vision for who you created us to be. We love you. We thank you for your presence and love grace and forgiveness in our lives in your name. Amen. 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 Um, so the book is good man. Um, I'd strongly encourage you to pick it up for, um, uh, a husband or, uh, for yourself, or if you do like Josh have a, a small group, it's a great book to go through. I know I'm going to have it on my shelf to, uh, go through with, uh, Josh's younger brother here, um, coming up. And so, um, Great book. Strongly recommend it. Nathan, how can people uh, connect with you if they want to uh, get in touch or, or learn more about the book or what you're doing? Yeah, you can a few different ways. You can find me on all those social media. Just search my name, Nathan Clarkson. You can go to my website, nathanclarkson.me. Uh, send me a message. I love hearing from people. I love connecting with like-minded people. Um, it always means a lot. Uh, and you can also catch me on my podcast called The Overthinkers, where we talk about faith and philosophy and art and all the big questions and fun stuff. And that's pretty much everywhere that um, that podcasts are. So I love hearing from people and that's how you can get a hold of me. Great. Thanks so much. And thanks again for joining us today on the Growing Home Together podcast. Uh, we'd love to connect with you even more over on our website at growinghometogether.com. And we're caring for the soul of your family and growing home together with you.